five, four, three, two, one. What's up, party people? Welcome to episode 32 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this is your first time tuning in, first of all, welcome. And second, I am your host, Sir Dr. JM, at Sir DRJM. You can find me on all the socials at Sir DRJM. Go ahead and follow me there. Reach out to me if you have any suggestions or anything you want to see on the show, um, any comments, anything like that. I'd love to interact with you, of course. Now, you can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, everything from Spotify to Apple Podcasts to Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, give us a like, re- leave a review, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. Now, for today's show, as always, uh, we're going to be covering two weeks' worth of Overwatch-related news. Uh, we have lots of fun things to talk about, of course, things like confirmation of some rumors that we spoke about last week at the end of the show we've got some exciting news about merch 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 and of course a few new content creators in and outside of the overwatch league and perhaps we'll even uncover some dirt that i think people might just be sleeping on um even though it was announced pretty publicly so without further ado let's dive on in five four three two one. Now, before we get too far into the show, um, we once again have our returning segment, uh, Required Reading, except this week we're going to call it Required Viewing, because I, and I'm sure the guy who posted it, would prefer if you viewed uh, the video version of what I'm about to suggest. So, um, over at GG Recon, we have yet another post by Yiska, um, one of the main guys on the Tactical Crouch podcast, so very knowledgeable about the Overwatch League and esports in general. Um, just the other day, he posted, I actually didn't get the date on these, but he posted uh, two-parter uh, sort of article things. Um, so part one went up, it was titled Harsha on what happened to Bumper and the Titans, the Justice situation and more. And then a couple days later, he posted part two, which was titled Houston Outlaws co-head coach Harsha on building the Outlaws in season three and four. So I'm filing this one under required viewing for anyone who is a Vancouver Titans fan, anyone who is a Houston Outlaws fan, and in general, anyone who wants to see see a little bit behind the curtains of how some of the organizations within the Overwatch League work. Um, and again, I highly suggest required viewing as opposed to reading. So if you head over to GG Recon and seek out these articles, you'll see both of them were posted uh, with sort of an intro paragraph, then the video, then Yiska actually went through and sort of pulled some of the key points of the interviews and just highlights them in the article. Uh, he mentions in there, you know, not everyone, he understands not everyone has the time to be able to sit down and, and watch a, uh, you know, hour plus long interview. Um, each article, I think the first one is about an hour and three minutes or something like that. The second is about an hour and eight minutes. So call it two hours and 15 minutes to watch the whole thing. Um, but you do get a lot more from the video. So I won't spoil too much, but like I say, especially if you're a Vancouver Titans fan and you want to know a little bit, A, about what happened to Bumper, because uh, as far as I understand, to this point, we hadn't really had much clarity around what happened with Bumper. Um, but also if you want to hear Harsh's thoughts um, on what happened to the Vancouver Titans um, in this past uh, season three of the Overwatch League, 
as well as some of Harsha's, uh, you know, thoughts, opinions, and plans for the uh, the Outlaws going forward. Um, Harsha, of course, former head coach of the Vancouver Titans and uh, current head coach or co-head coach of the Houston Outlaws with uh, Junkbuck, who came over from the San Francisco Shock. So definitely go check this out. Like I say, watch the videos if you can. Um, and if you're a little hesitant to buckle down for that long, I also highly recommend that uh, you increase the playback speed. I mean, uh, it's something I do with all my podcasts and all my YouTube videos that I watch. I pretty much will always default to increasing the playback speed to the 1.25 times speed, um, depending on who the video is. If I know that they uh, they move a little slower and their voices move a little slower, then I will often use 0.35, 0.45, that kind of thing. It just helps you burn through those those long form videos a little bit quicker. So I often do that on Plat Chat. Um, I actually often do that on Tactical Crouch, as well as a lot of the uh, kind of funny content. Shout out to kind of funny that I consume as well. So, anyways, go check that out. GG Recon posted by Yiska. Two part videos. Um, some great insight and like I say a nice peek behind the curtain in terms of how uh, some organizations work um, not just specifically the Vancouver Titans and the Houston Outlaws so go check that out now let's move on to the news so first article we've got today we are going to cover the Los Angeles Valiant as I'm sure you could guess now of course our last episode went live pulls up the calendar January 26th so this was just a few days before all this came out and I I honestly considered doing a special episode uh, February 2nd just to cover some of this but I kind of figured you know if I save this for the next episode it'll be a good juicy one to start off with so you may have heard a lot of this already but if you haven't uh, buckle in because I will cover most of it via dottysports.com and this is of course posted by everyone's favorite Liz Richardson on January 19th, she, no, sorry, 29th, she writes, Los Angeles Valiant drops players, staff before move to China. And then the uh, the sub subhead or byline or whatever of the article says, the organization blamed, quote, visa issues for the decision. So let's read. The Los Angeles Valiant's players and staff are, quote, moving on before the 2021 season of the Overwatch League begins in April, the organization announced today. The Valiant is moving to the Asia-Pacific, bracket APAC, division of the league, and won't be bringing previously signed players and staff to China, citing, quote, COVID-related visa issues. Now, side note from me, I don't believe that region is being called the APAC region anymore. If I'm not mistaken, it is being called the West region. Um and that is likely to make it a little more uh, geographically focused or something, uh, I guess a little less specific from Asia Pacific, just because uh, we now have the Los Angeles Valiant, the Newark Excelsior, and the Philadelphia Fusion over there, but I digress. She continues, shortly after the Overwatch League announced its 2021 season structure on January 14th, the Los Angeles Valiant said the team would be based in China for the duration of the season. The Valiant is owned by Immortals Gaming Club, bracket IGC, a Western organization that fields teams in various esports leagues. They then have the tweet embedded there from the Los Angeles Valiant, which says 2021 roster update, and it is a uh, clip art MS Paint image uh, that they made with just a couple sentences on what's going on. 
But Liz continues, considering the Valiant's mostly Western staff and signed roster of players, the proposed move to China was a confusing one for most Overwatch League fans. On January 14th, Aaron Halo Spake, I think that's his last name, yep, Spake, just double checking there, reported that IGC was selling the Valiant to a Chinese company and that the entire current roster would be dropped to field a new team in China. IGC explicitly denied the report, though. Today's announcement doesn't include information about the future ownership of the Los Angeles Valiant, but does confirm that previous roster won't be traveling with the organization to China. While most individual players and staff members have not yet commented on the announcement, the organization appears to have dropped all seven players on the roster, as well as its coaching staff. Former Valiant head coach Packing10 posted a message on Twitter saying that he, his staff, and his players won't be involved with the Valiant during the 2021 season. The Valiant's 2021 roster included upcoming stars like Australian off-tank Adam Soong and skilled veterans like KSP and Agilities. Los Angeles, uh, sorry, Los Angeles stable backline included main support Rain and flex support Lastro. So, um, as I mentioned there, that is confirmation of the rumors and speculation that we talked about last week coming from Halo, um, at Halo of Thoughts on, uh, on Twitter there. So certainly, as I talked about last week, uh, shocking to hear, shocking to see it all happen in the manner that it did. Definitely, definitely, definitely not a tactful way to do things, and certainly extremely poor for all of the people involved because, you know, we're past the trade deadline and the signing deadline at this point, which means that most of these players and staff will no longer have careers in the Overwatch League. Um for the rest of this season because it seems like most teams um, have solidified their rosters and their staff now as we will talk about in a little bit here there may be one or two people that are still picked up and uh, and uh, some people may still find homes but it certainly means that a lot of uh, a lot of people are are out of work now and potentially I mean in terms of something like esports the the league moves so fast and the industry moves so fast and changes that uh, this could be the end for them, which is really, really a shame. So now I also want to touch on part two of this article. It's actually a separate article, also posted on January 29th by Liz Richardson. And it reads, why the Los Angeles Valiant dropping its its roster is catastrophic. The byline there says, the move puts players, both old and new, at significant risk for the sake of a monetary deal. So let's read this, just because I think this frames a little bit more of the... Um, of the, the damage and potential impact that this, uh, well, not potential, the impact that this does in fact pose. So, the Los Angeles Valiant released its entire roster of players and staff members earlier today to move to the Overwatch League's Asia-Pacific region. The organization's new ownership group, Immortal Gaming Immortals Gaming Club, IGC, cited, quote, visa issues in moving current staff to China as a reason for the decision. The announcement was a shock for the Valiant's diehard fanbase, who were ready to cheer on a roster full of favorite players and impressive new additions during the 2021 season. While many fans are upset, others are seeing this decision as only a passing inconvenience. But for both players and Overwatch League fans, the fallout of IGC's decision will likely be more catastrophic than we realize. Players are now out of options. All Overwatch League teams were required to have a minimum of seven players signed to their roster by January 4th, 2021, according to this year's roster construction rules. Most players and teams have had three months to make deals happen during the offseason. During this time, players could make educated decisions about their careers based on the renewal or rejection of their contracts. 
they've been notified of decisions as soon as their team's seasons ended, uh, if not before. The season break also gives them time to try out and trial for new teams or explore other options like streaming or retirement. Due to the Los Angeles Valiant's decision to drop its roster after most positions have been filled, many players are now left without options or the opportunity to make their own decisions. Former Valiant DPS Agilities, one of the most popular players in the league, has already announced that his situation has prevented him from competing in the OWL during the 2021 season. They then have uh, Agilities uh, tweet embedded there where he actually quote tweeted the Los Angeles Valiant's statement, and I'm going to read his tweet here. He says, I most likely won't be competing in OWL this season after this. Going to be focusing on my stream for 2021 and see what happens next year. Pretty disappointed in how this situation unfolded, but what can you do? I hope all the players find a good home and get to compete again. Um, so first of all, I want to just, you know, applaud uh, Brady. His name is Brady for uh, for that message. Um, you know, certainly it conveys, I think, his, his disappointment as well as, you know, saying what he's going to attempt to do and try to make the best out of this situation um but he obviously also uh also you know puts out some sympathy empathy for all the players and who are also affected by this he realizes he's not the only one and uh many of them are going to be in these situations which totally sucks moving on let's continue with liz's article other players on the roster are now likely stranded without any other options in the league Valiant off-tank Adam Soong said that he thought he finally, quote, made it out of Australia, but the recent IGC decision crushed that, crushed that dream. Few teams pick up players from the Oceanic region due to long travel times and lengthy visa requirements. By signing with the Valiant, Adam had a chance to show off on North American servers and make a case for himself as an Overwatch League star. At this point in the offseason, though, few teams are likely to take a risk, the risk and sign him. East versus West rhetoric and racism. So this is where we really get into it, um, where Liz really gets into it. And this is also a part of why I wanted to bring this article up uh, to everyone's attention. Let's read. A majority of the Overwatch League's players hail from South Korea thanks to the region's leniency toward the esports lifestyle and the availability of practice locations to all social classes. The league also has four Chinese teams that are eagerly trying to field more homegrown talent. Despite the fact that every player in the league earns their spot on a roster by exhibiting talent and skill, a subsection of fans tend to become upset when North American and European players are displaced by Korean or Chinese talent. When teams like the Florida Mayhem moved to all Korean rosters, the dark undercurrent of racism in the Overwatch League community showed its face. It began slowly with comments asking if players were, quote, good Koreans and offhand remarks about race mattering more than talent or fans and it grew into the insidious false narrative that Western players are losing out on opportunities to their Asian counterparts. Even some professionals apparently have this mindset. She does have an article linked there that I, I just want to take a quick peek at, that, and then I'm just going to pop back away from. Nothing could be more of a catalyst to set alight this subsection of racist fans than dropping a mostly Western roster, hauling an organization to China, and field, fielding a new set of players, all of whom will likely be Chinese. The rumors of IGC's trade alone set the community on track of racial of on a track of racially insensitive memes and comments. These include the designs of a Chinese Chinese Valiant flag, as well as a series of Chinese statements from former Valiant off tank McGravy, who later apologized for his comments. The Los Angeles Valiant will sign new players who want a chance in the biggest 
uh, competitive Overwatch scene and want a stable salary after years of grinding. These players are likely prepared to deal with pushback from Western fans. They aren't prepared for the anger that some fans will take out on them thanks to the misguided idea that Chinese players have, quote, stolen the right roster spots, the rightful roster spots of Western fan favorites. There's no amount of moderation or comment suppression that will remove this narrative from all channels, and the farther it spreads, the more likely players are to feel attacked by it. It's not IGC's fault that this subsection of fans exist, but being intentionally vague when addressing a rumor and giving no transparency as to the reasoning behind making such a massive business de decision creates anger in dedicated fans. While that anger is justified, it deserves to be directed at a company, not innocent players who are looking for a new opportunity. The Overwatch League community will likely feel the fallout of this decision for the entirety of the 2021 season, the same way the Vancouver Titans fiasco affected the stability of players last year. Much like the Titans situation, the community needs to step up with positivity and support towards players as they navigate the consequences of business decisions far above them. So, a um, bit of a long read, but I think it's an important, uh, an important one and, and an important discussion to have because... Uh, like Liz points out there, um, you know, Overwatch League, Overwatch, the community, uh, gaming, and the gaming community at large um, are are well known and have a reputation of, of being uh, being a poor place to be on the internet because of racism, because of sexism, because of ableism, uh, because of all the isms and uh, bigotry and things like that that are out there. Um, and I, I think for the most part, uh, that's not what any of us sane people want. If you feel that way, then and if you're listening to this and you feel that way, I'm just going to tell you to get out now because I don't put up with any of that shit. And I, I certainly hope that uh, other people don't either because there's really no place for that kind of hatred um, in our communities, in our world and everything like that. Um, I would love Overwatch to be a positive and welcoming place, and that's why I do this, is because I, I want to spread the love of Overwatch, and I want to grow a community of, uh, you know, like-minded people that that don't have those uh, those kind of feelings and, and hatred towards others. So, it's it really is a shame, because this is... Um, obvious to anyone who's paying attention that this kind of thing is going to happen with such a deal and honestly it's really just too bad that the organization itself didn't handle things in a more tactful way um certainly if this deal um in whatever way it took place is as big as it sounds then they've known about it for a while um they they i would assume the immortal immortals gaming club had been working on this deal for a while, knew it was in the pipe, probably just didn't know the close date of it or didn't know for sure if it was going to get pushed across the finish line. I would also assume they didn't tell their players and staff. The players and staff were given a budget just like always, a schedule just like always, and told to go build a team. And that's what they did. Um, they went, they built a team, they were ready for the season, and then I would imagine they were just as shocked as everyone else when this happened. Um... And, you know, I, I don't know how high up that would go. Obviously, eventually there is a trickle down and uh, people would start finding out. But ultimately, it's just everything was very, very poorly handled. Um, and also, I mean, it, it is worth noting the fact that they did blame this on visa issues, which truly cannot, simply cannot be the case because every other le uh, team in the league 
planned for this. Every other team in the league, after dealing with last season, knew that visas would be a thing, knew that um, they would either be bringing players in uh, if they didn't want them to play on high ping or dealing with the consequences. So that is essentially a piss poor um, excuse and uh, reason for all this to happen. Now, one other thing I wanted to point out there, Liz also touches on the Vancouver Titans fiasco at the end of last season. And I wanted to mention something that uh, an interaction I had on Twitter the other day, um, or when all this came out, where uh, with the Ready Set Pwn podcast. So shout out to them. So they tweeted out which, basically, which is worse, the uh, the Titans fallout or uh, the Los Angeles Valiant, uh, whatever you want to call it, fallout here. Um, and I initially replied to that, and I said, in my mind, uh, it's the Vancouver Titans uh, uh, situation. And the reason for that is simply because of the history the players have together, the history the players um, coming up from contenders together and everything, and the history those players had with their fans, um, you know? When, when the Vancouver Titans started, they basically, they not only signed a team, they also signed its entire fan base because um, a lot of people just continued to follow them. And when everything imploded with the Vancouver Titans, uh, it was a clear, you know, it was clear there were, there were issues on both sides, the players and the organization, but it was also clear the organization wasn't doing enough or its part to try and help those players. Now, um... The reason I said that that one was worse was because of the uh, fan perception of we followed these people and now they're being torn apart. Whereas when you look at the Valiant situation, it was we are fans of this team. We might be fans of the the players and things like that, but the team has been built, you know, piece by piece over a few seasons now. What I wasn't considering was the impact that these had on their players. When it came to Vancouver... um, most of the players found another home and most of the players because it was such a successful team uh i would imagine had at least a few offers on their on their plate um and didn't necessarily have the hardest time finding a new home whereas with the los angeles valiant a lot of them were not in that stable of a situation for the simple fact of the los angeles valiant wasn't a top performing team so it would be much harder for for many of those players to find a new home um you know, you had some personalities, some people like McGravy, some people like Agilities coming off of last season that might have had a little bit of an easier time. But you also had some people that that probably were it not for the Los Angeles Valiant and making a deal with them, maybe would not have found another team. And um, I mean, Adam, uh, that they talked about there coming up from Contenders Australia was a huge deal because for him, um, you know, it's it would be very difficult to get out of that region, um, the Australian region, just for the simple fact of it's really far away. And that's that's difficult for a lot of teams. And a lot of teams don't want to take the gamble on a player like that um, who is that far away and everything. So anyways, um, certainly I think the Los Angeles Valiant situation has has wound up to be far worse for the players and the staff and, and everyone involved there. And and obviously it also very, 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 very sucks for the fans. Um, but the point I was making in the comparison to the Vancouver Titans was simply that those players had a history with the fans, so it was awful to see what happened to them. Um, so I digress. Um, there isn't really much point in comparing the two instances but I did want to talk about that just as, you know, something a little bit thought-provoking, you know. Consider everything from both sides or from all angles, and uh, yeah. So, let's move on. 
Now, to happier news, let's pop over. Oh, actually, we're not going to pop over anywhere. We're going to stick with Liz Richardson. We're going to stick to January 29th. Apparently, she was on a tear with the uh, articles on that day. Um, and this one reads, San Francisco Shock signs Emong as content creator. Just when fans thought the San Francisco Shock couldn't get any more stacked, the team has added a powerhouse content creator. The Shock announced today that Overwatch streamer Jeff Emong Anderson will be joining the organization as a partnered streamer and content creator. Emong is one of the most popular content creators in the Overwatch community, boasting over 575,000 followers on his Twitch stream and 120,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. He's known for his positive attitude and educational gameplay, especially in his signature off-tank role. In the early days of competitive Overwatch, Emong was a professional player for selfless gaming, playing alongside future 2019 Overwatch League MVP Jay Sinatra Wan, as well as top streamer Daniel DeFran Francesca. After Selfless folded, uh, Emong moved to streaming and built a considerable fan base. Emong was previously a partnered streamer for the Philadelphia Fusion, representing the team in several Overwatch League side events in 2018-2019. The team dropped its partnered streamers in late 2019, and Emong returned to streaming as a free agent. While many players on the San Francisco Shock roster are top streamers in their own right, especially main tank Matthew Super Delisi, Emong is the Shock's first official partnered streamer. Um, and then, of course, there's the uh, San Francisco Shock tweet embedded there, which says, Shock Stonks are, and the little uh, uh, stock emoji of uh, the stock graph going up, up, up. Please welcome Emong T at EmongTV to the SF Shock as a streamer and content creator. And then a kitty emoji, which I'm not too sure why that's there. Uh, maybe it has something to do with Emong. Anyways, I digress. Good for him. Good for the San Francisco Shock. Um, I like seeing these kind of partnerships and these kind of deals because it shows that organizations are thinking, um, you know, beyond the scope of just their players and uh, direct staff kind of thing. So that's all I got to say about that. Let's move on to more announcements about content creators. But first, I'm going to take a brief moment to have a sip of water. And I'm not going to pause the stream or anything. Not sure if you could hear that, but uh, if you could, that was some nice little ASMR. Um, I apologize, my throat is sore. I've been doing a lot of training at work, uh, uh, training with new people, so I'm talking a lot, and my throat is uh, not doing so hot these days. Now, let's move on. February 1st, yet another article from Liz Richardson at .esports.com. This time posted on, oh, I already said February 1st. <laughs> um, there's lots of .esports this uh this time around. I'm not sure what's uh, why that was the case, but anyways. Toronto Defiant adds Fran as content creator. The Great North snags one of the most popular Overwatch streamers. The Toronto Defiant spent most of the Overwatch League offseason updating its roster, and now it's adding more talent to the content creation team. Overwatch streamer Francine Fran Bo will be a content creator under the Defiant banner for the 2021 season, the organization announced today. Fran is one of the most popular streamers in the Overwatch community, boasting nearly 250,000 followers on Twitch. She's best known for her flex support play at the top of the North American competitive ladder, entertaining fans with clutch plays and her high-energy personality. They've got the tweet embedded there from the Toronto Defiant. Our family just got bigger. Black heart, red heart. Welcome to the one and only at Frana underscore OW, joining Defiant as our latest content creator. Hashtag rise together, hashtag Defiant forever. Fran has also hosted multiple tournaments to support the path to pro and lower levels of competition in Overwatch. 
the latest version of Fran's Overwatch Community Cup in December, awarded over $4,000 in prize money, with the majority going to American Tornado. For the past two years, Fran has been a partnered streamer and content creator for the Atlanta Reign. The team bid farewell today and wished her luck in her next stage of content creation for the Defiant. Fran joins educational streamer and fellow support player Nathan Karkyu-Chan as a partnered content creator for the Overwatch De er, for the Overwatch for the Toronto Defiant. During the 2020 offseason, the Toronto Defiant dropped the majority of its roster and built anew, signing former Philadelphia Fusion coach Kim KDG Dongun to head coach position to the head coach position. Former Fusion talents like Main Tank Sato and DPS Hisu will headline the Defiant's 2021 roster. So another exciting one there, um, you know, along the same uh, vein as the San Francisco Shock signing Emong, Toronto Defiant adds Fran. So again, you know, not not a ton to say beyond that. Just I like seeing these kind of moves. Um, I think Fran will actually uh, fit in kind of nicely with uh, Karku there. I, I really enjoy Karku. Um, seems like a really, really nice guy as well. So looking forward to lots out of that relationship. Now, next up. We have an article from ESTNN.com, um, a site that I don't think I've ever used before, but I found today. This is posted by Malik Shelp on February 1st as well. And it reads, Overwatch League teams are free to produce their own merchandise. And you might have just heard a noise on my end there. It might have been rather jarring as it might have been a little loud. And that was actually the, the heavens parting because with this news... Uh, this means that we might actually get some decent priced merch in Canada where we don't have to pay exorbitant uh, shipping fees just to get a freaking hoodie, which has definitely been the case in the past. Now, let's read this article. The era of awful Overwatch League merchandise is over. Blizzard has finally allowed organizations to independently source and produce their clothing. For years, the Overwatch League has been in contract with Fanatics, an online clothing company that does merchandise for sports teams at all levels. Initially, this news was exciting as a lot of esports teams have rare or limited merchandise options available. Unfortunately for fans, the gear was haphazardly put together, expensive, and had the same durability as a piece of paper in the middle of the ocean. The multi-year deal ran for 2019 and 2020 for the 2019 and 2020 seasons of the Overwatch League. Now that it has expired, teams are free to do as they please when it comes to apparel. They've then got here the uh, San Francisco Shocks tweet embedded, which says, Out with the old, in with the new. SF Shock X Meta Threads 2021, available now, sfshockgear.com. And they've got, you know, a nice little picture of some of their new gear. Already we have seen the San Francisco Shock team up with Meta Threads to release a new lineup of gear. The Florida Mayhem have begun sourcing merchandise ideas for their from their community, and overall, fans are excited to get quality and diverse team clothing options. The Overwatch League has not announced if they will still be working with Fanatics to produce official player jerseys. The likely choice would be to find a company with an untarnished reputation, then begin offering official gear while organizations offer, quote, lifestyle gaming apparel. Previously, the Overwatch League and a couple of teams collaborated with Ult Esports to develop exclusive merchandise, but it was still restricted. There was also a partnership with Jeff Staples to design the 2020 Overwatch League jerseys. But again, Fnatic was in charge of production and sales at the end of the day. The Overwatch League kicks off once again in April with a similar tournament format to last year with a few minor adjustments. So, as I mentioned, this news broke, and I hope every single Overwatch League fan um in canada and probably i'm gonna go out on a limb and say anywhere outside of the u.s uh celebrated because 
this means that we no longer have to deal uh, we, we potentially I should say we're getting a little ahead of ourselves we'll potentially not have to deal with the exorbitant shipping fees that we used to see so I'll give you a little example um, I, I blah, 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 blah. we ordered a Vancouver Titans hoodie in 2019 um, I also ordered a Vancouver Titans hat a Vancouver Titans lanyard uh, because I wanted to get lots of merch and I think I wound up paying something like 50 to 75 dollars in shipping fees and that's on top of obviously the US exchange rate US to Canadian exchange rate which sucks so um, I was not happy about that I wanted the merch I got the merch uh, turned out the hoodie was actually uh, the wrong size and in order to get it replaced uh, they said yes you can return it but you have to pay for the shipping to ship it back to us and then we'll ship a new one to you for free and at the same time it took something like four weeks to get to me and they said it would be six to eight weeks to get it back to them and then back to me again so I said to hell with it and I just purchased a second hoodie um, gave my wife the smaller one and I got the larger one and uh, now we have two nice Vancouver Titans hoodies except for the fact that the quality of the actual uh, logo on mine is far better than the quality of the logo on hers hers is actually kind of a more faded blue and a more faded green whereas mine is a lot more vibrant um, so yeah we our experience with the league merch was not great there was a ton of stuff that I really wanted to order um, you know kind of after I saw how my you know once I wanted to wait and see how my Vancouver Titans order went and then I wanted to order some other merch and especially this past season I wanted to get there was a killer Florida Mayhem hat that they had that I really wanted to order but I just wasn't willing to pay those shipping fees and the exchange rate and everything so I digress um, there's a bit of reading between the lines here because not every team has unveiled their plans um, one in particular um, or two in particular I guess are the Vancouver Titans as well as the Toronto Defiant. However, the Toronto Defiant have commented on it at least. I know they, uh, I think they put out a tweet or something saying soon. So I think they're working on something. In fact, I know they're working on something. Um, but I was pointed to, I believe by uh, Scronide, who you can follow on Twitter. Let me just pull him up here, just because I want to give him credit. Wait for it. Scro there he is scronide underscore ow so that is s-c-r-o-n-i-d-e underscore ow uh pointed out the fact that the toronto ultra um overactive media's uh toronto defiant uh counterpart sorry call of duty league counterpart is uh has their merch up and holy crap is it sick i love it it's awesome it's purple it's white it's awesome it's just so good and so he was pointing out the pricing on some hoodies and jerseys and things like that and uh, he kind of pointed out the fact that um, the the shipping was I believe if not much more reasonable it was non-existent in Canada free shipping within Canada um, and obviously no exchange rate because the prices were in Canadian um, but he was pointing out I think that the jerseys were about 90 bucks the hoodies were about 130 so you know definitely it's a little expensive you know 130 for a hoodie not unheard of but definitely on the higher end but I digress he was saying that prices would probably reading between the lines probably be pretty similar for the overwatch league so um, mostly I'm just glad I don't have to pay those shipping fees honestly and maybe it'll be here in a reasonable amount of time so anyways 
exciting stuff there and I am looking forward to seeing what everyone comes out with. Uh, definitely, you know, I, I'm not against the exchange rate. If Florida has some sick shit, I will order it. But uh, it's going to be nice to get some good Canadian products as well. Now, let's move on to our next article. We're going to come back to the Overwatch League uh, in terms of actual players. And this time around, we're reading an article from thegamehouse.com by Brian Rockwood on February 3rd, and it reads, Boston Uprising signed former WGS players Faith and Valentine. After a very unfortunate accident from the Overwatch League, the Boston Uprising have announced a few new signings to round out the roster. On Wednesday, February 3rd, the Boston Uprising announced the signing of former World Game Star main support Faith and former Flex DPS Valentine. Faith and Valentine joined the team alongside former coach Lori. The Uprising had kept the two a secret up until now. In an article discussing various accolades, the Overwatch League accidentally revealed that the Uprising signed Valentine to the team. Valentine was the recipient of votes for most, most Valuable Player and Rookie of the Year. After seeing the news of the article, it appears Boston had to quickly follow up with a formal welcome. Uh, they do have the tweet embedded there that from the Boston Uprising that says, Cats out of the bag. Please welcome OW underscore Faith and Valentine underscore OWO to the Uprising. And then a bit.ly link to their actual official announcement. Faith joins the team as the fifth main support in the team's history. Fans were growing quite concerned about the lack of announcements of a main support for quite some time. However, many anticipated Faith would be the optimal choice for Boston. As both players are joining their former WGS head coach and fellow teammate I'm37, there should be no problem getting comfortable with the new team. The most recent announcements gives the Uprising an official starting lineup with one player in each role. Valentine and Faith have found plenty of success together as they competed in Korean Contenders bracket this past summer. Now the two will compete at the highest level and prove they can be the pieces the Uprising need in order to turn their franchise around. So, good for Boston. Glad to see they finally have a lineup uh, because I think we've been waiting on that. And looking at the overall standings, man, Vancouver just keeps falling further and further down the list in my mind. So next up, we're going to jump back to .esports.com, but not Liz Richardson this time. We're going to jump to Kale Michael on February 3rd. And he writes this article, which is not directly Overwatch related, but I wanted to bring it up because if you listen to this podcast, you will know that I'm a big fan of this player. And, uh, and I follow him quite close, quite closely. And so I was excited to see this. So, article reads, Sentinel signs former Overwatch League pro Shurfor as a content creator. The DPS legend is retiring from the competitive scene to focus on streaming. Lane Shurfor Roberts is stepping away from competitive Overwatch and signing with Sentinels to, to pursue full-time content creation. Shurfor, Shurfor, who most recently played for the Toronto Defiant during the 2020 Overwatch League season, is retiring after five years of grinding through the ranks and competing at the highest level. Known for his time with the Los Angeles Gladiators and his meddling performances with Team Canada in 2017 and 2018, the sharpshooter plans to branch out into other games like Apex Legends and Valorant while streaming full-time to his nearly 350,000 followers on Twitch. Quote, Shurfor has always been a talented and versatile competitor, and quote, Sentinel's chairman Rob Moore said, quote, we look forward to supporting him in, his, in this next chapter in his career, end quote. Sentinel's fields, Sentinel's fields competitive teams in Fortnite, Valorant, Apex Legends, and Halo, with players across several other games too. Now, the organization is also focused on adding to its content creation lineup. Quote, 
adding Sure4 to our content creation roster marks the next step in continuing to build for the future of Sentinels. And quote, Sentinels Director of Esports Charlie Lipsy said, quote, we are confident that his personality will shine as a member of Sentinels for years to come, end quote. So, um, as I mentioned, I like Sure4 a lot. I'm a big fan. I follow him on Twitch. And uh, I've been wondering because he has been relatively quiet about this kind of thing for a while now. Um, so I was really really kind of waiting to see what he was going to do seeing if he was going to partner with the team in some way like this and uh, a team or organization and it seems he has so there you have it now we're going to stick again with dotesports.com and with kale michael we're going to stay on february 3rd as well and go to mcgravy retires from competitive overwatch after more than four years grinding in Overwatch, Caleb McGravy McGarvey is retiring from playing the game competitively. The 23-year-old off-tank isn't leaving the scene at all. Uh, sorry. Isn't leaving the scene at all. Okay. But he is stepping away from competing because he doesn't see a way back into the Overwatch League. They've got the tweet embedded there, which basically says it's about that time, dot, 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 read, and a uh, twit longer link. So go ahead and check McGravy's actual full full post there if you want to see what he actually had to say. McGravy has played for both Florida Mayhem and Los Angeles Valiant, but he was released by Valiant at the end of the 2020 season. He quickly joined the Revival roster in Contenders after some former Mayhem Academy players and staff asked him to join, but is now leaving the team to seek new opportunities outside of competing. Despite saying he is still passionate about the game and loves playing it competitively, he doesn't feel like there's a way for him to continue doing so at the highest level. Quote, I just don't see a path back to Owl for me. Feels like the curtains were closed once I was dropped from the Valiant. McGravy said, Quote, I had planned on retiring shortly after that, but I was messaged to play for Revival on short notice, and we all know how that turned out, lol. I just got caught up in the grind again and ignored the obvious. Currently, he is open to potentially taking on coaching role while he focuses on creating content and streaming. He recently spent time on Twitter reflecting on his time with Valiant following the team's apparent, uh, the team's apparent organization, Immortals Gaming Club, dropping the entire roster in a controversial move. That was when he first voiced his concerns about potentially never making it back into Owl and looking into other options. Quote, I was basically traded from Mayhem as a <laughs> fuck it, you can have him for free player and who, th who thought it would have turned out like this, McGravy said. I just wanted one solid chance at playing for a team at least once in my career and I can't thank Packington, Gunba, Reprise, Stoop, Mike enough for that opportunity. Season 3 was derailed by COVID-19, but getting to walk on that stage in Dallas made everything worth it. To finish off his retirement post, McGravy reiterated that he is, quote, not entirely out of the Overwatch scene, but is just unsure of what his next role will be at this time. So I wanted to bring that one up because uh, everyone knows McGravy in the Overwatch League and everyone celebrates McGravy, and obviously he is a uh, fantastic player, uh, well-known player, um, and well-liked player. I forget what the award is that he won at the end of last season, but it's basically a community uh, standout award um, for someone who, you know, exhibits the best qualities in the league and in players. So uh, all the best to him in the future, and hopefully he can uh, stick around the scene. And, you know, I, I'm honestly hopeful that Overwatch 2 breathes life breathes life into a lot of these uh, former, former high-level players like Sherfor and McGravy, and maybe we see a little bit of a return one day from them. Now, next up, uh, so I'm going sequentially here. I'm going to move this story. I'm going to save this one for last and move on to this other story. So these next two will be out of order, but that's okay. First, I'm going to read London Spitfire 
signs former LA Valiant DPS Shax. And this is DottieSports.com, this time Samuel O'Dwyer. The Le- oh, and this was posted on February 8th, so just yesterday. The London Spitfire has added Danish-born DPS player Johans Shax Nielsen to its 2021 Overwatch League roster the team announced last night. Shax previously played for the LA Valiant, but was recently dropped with the Valiant preparing to rebuild for the Chinese market. Spitfire general manager Nuki announced the signing through the use of the team's official fan club, Hangar 9. They've then got a... Uh, uh, the tweet from Hangar 9 embedded there. At this point, Shax is considered a veteran in the Overwatch esports scene. With a year and a half of OWL experience and several seasons of European and North American contenders under his belt, Shax has made a name for himself as a hitscan genius. His Sombra and Tracer are the two heroes that stand out as being particularly top tier in his deep hero pool. After the Spitfire's dismissal, oh, dismal 2020 results, the team decided to go in a different direction with its roster. The org released its somewhat high-budget all-Korean roster in October, opting to go with a more cost-effective European lineup for the upcoming season. Despite his veteran status within the game, Shax is yet to win a title with any of his teams. The Spitfires going into the offs- into the season as underdogs, composed mostly from mature-aged players and unproven rookies. Shax and the gang will have a lot to prove this year if that elusive first title is on the cards. The London Spitfire will return to action along with the rest of the Overwatch League in April. An exact starting date for the 2021 season has yet to be announced. So, a lot of words there um, about Shacks, but bringing this one up, obviously it's one of the most recent uh, stories I'm going to talk about here, but bringing this one up because, hey, uh, some good news uh, when it comes to the London, or London Spitfire. Well, yeah, to the London Spitfire, but also the Los Angeles Valiant, right? Um, after we opened with that article there, talking about the uh the organization dropping everyone at least we have um you know some people finding homes um and i say some people not just a person because of uh one thing i'm gonna report on in a minute here so good for shacks now next up i'm gonna direct you to twitter where we are going to go take a look at a tweet from february 4th February 4th even posted by Adam Adamu at Grayson on Twitter um, if you are not in the know Adam Adamu is the chief strategy officer at Overactive Media now Overactive Media is the organization that owns the Toronto Defiant among a number of other esports organizations the reason I'm directing you to this tweet it is from February 4th posted by Adam is because it reads like this Overwatch 2 news there's a nice little red stop sign not being released in 2021, uh, which if you're not following that little thread, uh, kind, that news kind of broke, but hey, not nothing too exciting there. He then also posts green checkmark, free to play access to all, green checkmark, absolutely no quote pay to win, green checkmark, a version built for mobile, green checkmark, continuous content updates. And then a little dude with his hand up and it says, when do we get the beta? More at BlizzConline. So I'm bringing up this tweet. It has two retweets, three quote tweets, and 29 likes. And like a few replies. Um, I'm bringing this up because I haven't actually seen this information confirmed anywhere else. I know the not being released in 2021 thing was was being talked about many places because... Um, if, for whatever silly reason, a lot of people had it in their head, it would be released in 2021. And I think a lot of people thought that at BlizzCon, on, BlizzCon line, whatever it's called, uh, which is coming up on February 19th, 20th, a lot of people thought we were going to be getting 
a short release date, like a release date in a couple months. And I talked last week about how honestly ridiculous that is in terms of the uh, the gaming industry news, press, marketing cycle, as well as the testing cycle, which Adam points out here, the, the beta um, testing cycle. So I wanted to bring this up because I don't think I've seen anyone else actually confirm those four points that he says there. Free to play access to all, no pay to win, version built for mobile, and continuous content updates. Now, you know, some of that's a little bit... Uh, a little bit extrapolating the continuous content updates. I mean, one could argue that Overwatch currently gets continuous content updates. I certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't fault someone for saying that the game does get that already. I also wouldn't fault anyone for saying that there's no pay to win right now because in my mind there isn't. Uh, you know, everything you can purchase in the game is purely cosmetic. But the two big points there are free to play access to all and version built for mobile. So let's talk about the probably less interesting one for most people first, which is a version built for mobile. Um, I think a lot of people will throw their arms up in the air and say, we are real gamers, we are not mobile gamers, why do you keep doing this to us? Um, especially after they announced a Diablo version for mobile, as well as obviously Call of Duty has a uh, very popular uh, Call of Duty mobile uh, version. Now, I think that in itself answers that question. The Call of Duty mobile uh, I, I think it's literally the version of Call of Duty that is mobile is called Call of Duty Mobile. And as far as I understand, it's extremely, extremely, extremely successful for them. Um, I think it is free to play. And uh, I think it just makes them boatloads of cash and like they have their own tournaments for it and everything. So um, it's not a shock to me at all that they would be trying to to fit Overwatch 2 into a, a mobile format or, or make a mobile, ver mobile version for it. Because... Not only uh, does it have a, um, a a wider reach in terms of, you know, pretty much everyone has a mobile device at this point, um, it's also far more accessible, right? Um, not only does everybody have a cell phone, but if they see this game being pimped out on, on whatever, in ads for other Activision games on their mobile phone that they're already playing, then, hey, that might just bring them in, and guess what? That builds the audience. Um, my only real question that isn't answered here, because Adam also says free-to-play access to all, which had been heavily rumored that the game would go free-to-play. Um, the only thing I question is the access to all piece. To me, that could just mean it's free-to-play, so anyone can download it, and there's a mobile version, so even more people can download it. But the access to all reading between the lines says to me are we finally getting crossplay are we finally getting cross progression are we finally going to see the audience really merge where you can have pc xbox playstation potentially switch although i don't think there will be a switch version and mobile uh together maybe the mobile version will be separate just looking at again call of duty mobile um versus uh call of duty when it comes to something like warzone and things like that but I digress. I wanted to bring up this tweet because I think it is super interesting and because I can't find anywhere else that uh, really is reporting on it all that much. Um, you know, like I said, everyone's been talking about the not coming out this this um, uh, this year, which, sure, I, again, if you thought that, you're a little bit daft, but I'm not really seeing anyone else saying those things. And the green check marks to me says that Adam... Adam has confirmation on these things, um, and nobody told him not to post this. So 
I'm, I'm hoping this gets a bit of a signal boost from this, although I mean obviously my audience is just piddly, so I doubt many people will, will hear much about it, but I digress. I wanted to bring it up. Now, that's all of the actual, actual factual news, uh, well, with the exception of that last story that I just talked about and kind of am reading between the lines a little bit, um, but there is one rumor that I wanted to comment on, and it relates to the Toronto Defiant. So I've pulled up the Toronto Defiance roster here on uh, Liquidpedia. I'm just going to take a quick peek at it right now. We have Logix on DPS. We have Hisu on DPS, of course, coming over from uh, the Philadelphia Fusion with uh, Coach KDG. Um, we then have Naist also on DPS coming up from Contenders. So that's your DPS line. We have Beast on the tank line. We have Sato on the tank line, also coming over from the Philadelphia Fusion. We then also have Michelle on the tank line, who I believe is coming over from the Hangzhou Spark. I could be wrong on that, but I'm just going to guess that. And then uh, over on support, we've got Aztec and Ansunjay, both coming up from contenders, if I am not mistaken. Um, I'm just looking here, and I'm just double-checking Michelle. Michelle may have been on Seoul, actually looks to me like he was on the Soul Dynasty last season. So, anyways, I was wrong about that. But, I digress. We've got that lineup. Now, here's the rumor. Coming from at Halo of Thoughts, as everyone knows him as Halo on Twitter, he reports, according to sources, the Toronto Defiant have signed former Team CC and Los Angeles Valiant support player Lastro. For those of you unaware, Lastro joined, had joined Team CC after his release from the Valiant. So that's an interesting one because that brings in another flex support player into the lineup um, along with, uh, I'm not sure if it's Aztec or Ansunjay who is flex support, but they're both listed as support. So yeah, definitely an exciting potential move. Um, you know, we've then got three tanks, three DPS, and three support, um, meaning that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, meaning that the total roster size is at nine, um, which of course puts them in the higher range for this season. Um, you know, most teams are sticking to a, a lower seven or eight players. Um, obviously, nine's that much, not that much of a stretch, but uh, I digress. Definitely an interesting rumor and definitely an exciting one for you Toronto fans or us Toronto fans out there. So I wanted to bring that up. We will see next uh, episode if those rumors come to fruition uh, in the next two weeks, that is. And of course, I also wanted to point out uh, that we are rapidly approaching BlizzCon Live. So as of recording this, I'm recording on Tuesday the 9th um, in the evening. So uh, this episode will go up on February the 10th, which means we have uh, the 13th, 14th is the upcoming weekend. And the following weekend after that is the 20th, 21st, or the Friday is the 19th. So 19th, 20th is the Friday, Saturday, which means... We are just over a week out from BlizzCon Line right now. So unless some big news leaks in the days before uh, BlizzCon Line, I will probably not be posting an episode next week, but I'm not going to put it, um, I'm not going to totally close the book on that because uh, I know leaks often happen around these big events. So if something gets out that I feel the need to talk about, then I will hop on next week and you will get a likely smaller episode next week. But don't count on it because with BlizzCon Line on the 19th and 20th, 
the episode that I will record on the 23rd and post on the 24th should be a juicy one. I'm hoping we have tons of Overwatch news to talk about. Hopefully we have uh, tons of Overwatch League news to talk about and maybe even some special exciting events that I can uh, talk a little bit about uh, that will have occurred on that uh, special weekend. So that's it for this episode though. Um, let's close it out. This was once again episode 32 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this was your first episode, I am your host at Sir Dr. JM. That's S I R D R J M. And you can follow me on Twitter and you can interact with me on Twitter and send me a message and give me questions, give me comments, give me concerns, give me whatever you want me to talk about on the show. If you want to get to know me a little bit more, ask me questions outside of Overwatch. I'm happy to talk about that. Um, by no means am I a great player of Overwatch, I just love the game. Um, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So go give us a follow there, leave a review, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. And with that, we're going to close the book on today's episode, and I will see you all likely after BlizzCon Line. Thank you.